0: Our executive producer, Adam he suggested we watch the movie Rocky IV, truly the highlight of the series. But uh, since he's not here, we're going to be watching the 2013 movie Nebraska. <music> Listeners, are you tired of not having any opinions? It seems like everyone has an opinion these days. When someone asks you what your favorite movie is, are you able to answer, do you know what any movies are? <laughs> well, that's where our podcast comes in. Just take our opinions and use them as your own. Everyone will think you're a smarter person for it. This is Cinematic Respect. I'm your first co-host, Charlie Wallace.
1: And I am Jessica Clare's your second co-host.
0: Hey, Jessica, I noticed you were late to the podcast today.
1: I was. Where were you? I was at work. Where? In Janesville.
0: Janesville. How long did it take you to drive here?
1: About 45 minutes.
0: 45 minutes, what what were you driving? Slowly. Steamroller? <laughs> <laughs> you know those You know those vehicles that they transport um, space shuttles on, mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. do the time-lapse photography yeah, on? Yeah,
1: I, t- I have two of those.
0: Yeah, okay. So you, why, why don't you get an American car and drive dangerously fast?
1: <laughs> I'll work on that for next weekend.
0: Anyway, sorry, I just had to give you crap about being a little bit late. Sounds good. Anyway, like- what movie are we watching today?
1: We are watching the 2013... 2013- Cinematic classic, Nebraska. And the story basically pivots around uh, an older man who's uh, kind of, you know, crazy hair, delusional, um, completely convinced that he has won a million dollars through some kind of mail-in magazine sweepstakes. And so he keeps trying to go to claim his, his prize money, which happens to be in Lincoln, Nebraska, um, and so he's just hell bent on going. His family can't stop him. He's trying to walk there. His one wife and son have absolutely no interest in it. They just want to put him in a home and not deal with it. But his one son takes pity on him, and so they end up doing this, you know, kind of adventure of uh, driving there learning things about each other on the way I think in particular for the son learning about his father and uh, eventually eventually claiming the prize which may not be <laughs> exactly what you thought it was
0: <laughs> it's not a million dollars it's, what? It,
1: amazingly it's not
0: <laughs> so joining us today is uh, our good friend Patrick Hill well thanks for having me yeah no problem he was uh, been a good friend of ours for what a decade now yeah, pretty have crossed that mark. part of yeah, my wedding yeah so as far as respect level goes, it's already up there, huh? Yeah, you're already up there. Wow! At and
1: least now that you've at, seen at this least movie, a part of this. I've heard wedding, you guys right, yell at really? people
0: for not, you know, being
2: respectful How enough. How dare so. you not watch exactly. Nebraska,
3: Patrick?
0: <laughs> until now, until, until last now. night. Yep, yeah, I've, I've thankfully rectified that. So <laughs> good work. So this is your first viewing of the movie. Is that what you thought it was going to be? What What did you th- think it was going to be going into it? Um, you know, I, I had had
2: a little bit of, um, I guess a peripheral knowledge of it. I think I heard it had won an Oscar and I knew it was black and white. I remembered that part about it, Um, but I certainly hadn't watched it. And if I had to guess, um, you know, I I knew it was a, I I guess I looked it up on the internet and read a very short synopsis and it said, well, it's, you know, this father and son have a road trip. And in my mind, I don't know whether it actually read it that way or not, but it's uh, like hijinks ensue as a result of this road trip. (laughs) Um, And given that... uh, Uh, Will Forte was in it. I was kind of like, all right, well, I'm familiar with him. SNL, like 30 Rock. Like, I'm expecting him to be the generation of the humor uh, that may be present in the movie. But it really... Uh, I'd almost almost say none of it comes from him. It comes from all the other characters around him. So I think in that respect, I was a little
0: surprised. Yeah, I think you've hit on one of the most surprising things to me, especially in the second watching. I wasn't really that familiar with Will Forte the first time I watched the movie. And I've seen a lot of stuff with him since. I hadn't seen that whole... Storyline in 30 Rock. Oh, you hadn't? It, no. I oh, hadn't. no, he's fat. I hadn't yeah. watched much of Saturday Night Live. I think I had seen MacGruber, and I remember it being better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's saying a lot.
0: But uh, yeah, I kind of going into this movie, I expected, oh, he's going to be this wacky, crazy guy and funny all the time. And yeah. really, no, he's mm-hmm. just the...
1: He's very much the straight straight character. Yeah, Yeah, very much straight character. And I was really impressed. I I don't know that it was like he was doing particularly great acting. I mean, relative to other people who do more dramatic style acting. But I think I was just impressed because I'd just never seen that facet from him. Like, I've just never seen him do that.
0: And I wonder if he had done more, whether that would have actually detracted. Some I don't think he's supposed to be the focus of the movie. I mean, to some extent, he is right, mm-hmm. like him wanting to find out more about his father. But mm-hmm. I think him coming in and being comedic relief would have detracted from the relationship that they had. Yeah, or I th- com- I com- the focus I agree. on mm-hmm. Bruce Dern, who did yeah. an amazing job. Of course, everybody said he did an amazing job in this. I think he was he. Yes, he was, he was nominated. nominated for an Academy he didn't. Award. He
1: didn't win, but he was nominated. I think. I don't know. I'm I'm surprised that his nose hair wasn't nominated as well. That oh, was, was that really that visible? was one of the first scenes, like when, he's, <laughs> when they get in the car, like when they're very first in the car, and he's like against the car window, like looking up at the sky. And I'm like, holy snot, that's a lot. That's a lot of hair in your nose, my friend. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just like how you roll or if you, you know, grew it out for the movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's. That's old people sometimes. I mean,
2: no, not I, to I totally be, understand. Yeah.
1: It was just kind of comical, just like because you're this, like, all right, you go, buddy. Well,
0: you can
2: do amazing things with makeup and lighting and too. So <laughs> <laughs> the CGI, their, their nose where pays
1: really. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. I know you, you. You don't want that job.
0: <laughs> so yeah, Will Forte was did really well on this. Bruce Dern, of course, was fantastic, and then the I don't know if you'd call it breakout role by June Squibb playing the mother just
1: she was amazing
0: killing it in every scene she
1: really was and and whether she was being harsh and abrupt or you know kind of being ridiculous um, and and crass like she just yeah any scene that she was in she really dominated
0: I have a clip of the first scene I believe it's the one that we were introduced to her through
1: you need to help me I'm the one that does all the work around here your father just sits there look at him he's useless. His mother spoiled. Mom,
0: don't worry, okay? We'll only be gone a couple days. Why don't you just enjoy the time alone? You always complain about having him around.
3: What about your job? Well, I
0: told him I was sick.
3: Sick in the head? I'm going to tell Ross to call you. He'll back me up. Right,
0: sounds great. Bye, Mom.
3: You're
1: just like your father.
3: Stubborn as a mule.
0: One thing that I noticed when I Recorded that clip, is she sounds a lot harsher when you don't have her screen presence. Yes, like if you weren't familiar with the movie and you just heard that, it might come off very harsh, and it is right. That's I, I part actually of felt role. it was harsh when I was watching it. Oh, yeah, okay. Harsh might be too
2: harsh, but uh, I mean, it's it was it was certainly strong, and it was not a positive. Right, like, it was not a positive message that she was trying to convey. She was clearly upset.
1: Listening to that again, we actually get introduced to her just slightly before that, um, maybe the day before or something like that, because the movie opens with, you know, Bruce Dern walking along... Major thoroughfare. Yeah, major road. And a state trooper pulling over and saying, hey, you know, where are you going? And he just, you know, kind of keeps going. He's got crazy wild hair and his clothing's you know, his jacket's unzipped and he doesn't look like he's very well-kempt. And so at very first, you're like, is this person have like dementia? Like, I mean, you know, are they aware that that they're on the side of the road and so he's very determined he has this idea that i've won this money i'm going someplace and so when he gets brought into the police office his son comes to pick him up and brings him home and the wife is there very upset you know and you know he thinks he's won this million dollars you know what i do with a million dollars i put him in a home and that's i remember (laughs) kind of being one of the first things she said and being like wow okay
0: but i think there's something about her presence on the screen that makes it funny which i didn't see come through when you just have the clips. So I don't quite mm-hmm. know what it is about her, but mm-hmm. she does an amazing job.
1: She very much does.
0: So Will Forte plays David and his brother Ross is played by Bob Odenkirk, who has a decent amount of scenes in this and mm-hmm. I think does his usual Bob Odenkirk yeah. thing. Pretty decent dramatic acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not nothing too far from what I've usually seen him do.
1: Yeah. Like similar similar Band. range. He, he he plays almost douchey very well.
0: <laughs> like, well, he's a local celebrity. A,
1: exactly, calling him full and douchey would be too much. But you know, he definitely enjoys being a local celebrity.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> he drives a Kia. And
1: he drives, and I was just about to say that. And he drives <laughs> a Kia, and he's and he's he's pretty proud of it.
0: Well, his wife has the bigger car to drive the kids
2: around. <laughs> to drive the kids
1: around. That's right. I,
0: I'm always <laughs> impressed with what directors and makeup artists do with Bob Odenkirk's hair, mm. depending on how they want to have him come across at any given time. Mm -hmm. In this movie, he definitely has that sort of comb-over wisp that's not quite in the place it's supposed to be, except when he's on TV. If you see him on TV, it's like perfect. Perfect. Right? Mm -hmm. Or if you see him in a Better Call cell, he's got definitely the comb-over thing, but it's more full and sort of like playful looking. So... I don't know. That's the first thing I noticed about him in this (laughs) was the way they had done his hair.
1: Yeah. And and he he works as the straight-laced brother. You definitely get a good feel within the first... 10-15 10-15 minutes of the film of kind of where um, David, Will Forte's character, where his life is going and where his brother's life is going. You know, his brother's married. He has kids. He's just been uh, allowed to anchor as this local celebrity in the local news. And it looks like that's going to be happening more often. So it's really taking off. Whereas Will Forte, you know, he sells stereo equipment. You get the impression that he's not that great at it from just the couple of scenes you see very briefly. His girlfriend has just moved out. It all seems very noncommittal. Like when she comes back to just return him some things, like he opens the door and she's holding a suitcase and he's like, are you moving back in? She's like, no, I'm just returning your stuff. And then, you know, he's like, well, you know, do you want to get married? And she's like, well, I don't know. I want to break up or get married. Like he's just kind of existing. He's not trying for anything. He's not trying to fail anything either. He's just kind of there. Yeah,
2: certainly doesn't seem to have any really strong relationships with anything, right? There, There's the, the idea that he was going to make a relationship with his dad on this road trip. But, I mean, it was more than just a relationship, in my mind, with his father. I mean, it was really, like, the first, like, meaningful relationship that he had had, like, right. actively mm-hmm. or actively
0: participated in mm-hmm. in a while. And there was the scene where David was talking about, well, he can't go on this road trip because he has to be back for work on Monday. And then Bruce Dern says, what do you have to do? Like, what's so important that you got to right. be back for yeah. that? Exactly. Which it doesn't take him much convincing. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess my life isn't going quite as well as right. I hoped it would. And he changes his plans during that trip.
1: True, yeah. When to it, come back right. later
2: because he, yeah. he doesn't mm-hmm. really care about right. that aspect mm-hmm. of it.
1: I appreciated that of the characters you you have at least this like kind of tender-heartedness that comes from David of anybody there he kind of takes pity on his dad more and and has a harder time saying no to his father and through the course of the film you find out you know he's he's angry with his father or just in supremely disappointed in his father from his childhood onward but he's still sympathetic to him he wants he wants to help him out he feels bad that he's you know deluded into thinking he won some prize clearly says you know he's determined he's gonna go like i'm gonna take him like you know at least this way he won't like die of exposure you know like right well, we'll at least get him there i don't know i appreciated that aspect like again and again throughout the film you see these things where he kind of just resolves to deal with whatever new horrible thing has come up uh and just be like all right well this has happened, so let me just go another step. Let me go another step to help try to bridge the gap.
0: So the character, uh, Woody, is played by Brewster. And do you think that Woody has a significant amount of dementia? How much of it is that? And how much is just him wanting to do something with his life or I almost have some think, meaning?
1: I almost think it shifts during the film. Right. So I think in the beginning, you know, his life is so mundane. And it's not like he's never reminded that he drank a lot. And that, you know, the way their lives have turned out has, you know, been somewhat affected negatively by by that Um, and the choices that he's made. And the fact it sounds like, you know, throughout the film, you get to hear this again and again, the same theme that he could never say no to a favor. And so and it ruined him, you know, that that phrase is used multiple times. So I think that there's just kind of a general dissatisfaction with everything and kind of allowing yourself to fall into this like well, I guess I'm crazy or I guess, I, you know, I'm allowed to do this. Like everything's awful and I'm here. And so you just kind of allow yourself in this place. But as the action picks up as the movie comes along, I feel like he gets sharper.
2: Right. I wondered right away because you see a uh- An old man with frazzled hair wandering along the side of a a highway. You're like, oh wow, this guy might have dementia and wandered off. I mean, that was like where my mind went right away. But I don't know. From my perspective, he never he never really acted like he had. He was suffering from dementia. I mean, he may have been absent-minded. He may have had to ask for clarification. Well, if he didn't hear something because he wasn't paying attention, but. I, I think what one of the interesting things for me was at least for the first part of this movie, it's like is this guy crazy or is he you know is he lost his marbles or is he just really fixated on something? And I became convinced uh, that he was fixated on something. It, he, his mind was, as far as I could tell, sound uh, aside from the effects of age and you know persistent right. alcoholism. As I as I had that thought process, what became more a question in my mind was how much of this trip was a was a final act that his son would have with him because, I mean, he was in the hospital multiple times. He um, had a cough. You know, he had dizzy spells. He had something physically wrong with him, even though, like, you know, from the outside, he certainly looked old. But you questioned whether his mental state was okay. But I actually ended up, by the end, questioning whether his physical state was actually in
0: greater uncertainty. There were a lot of scenes where he's got brothers and people he knows from the town that he lived in for the longest time and they're all about the same age as him but they don't look the same age he he looks much older and the way that he carries himself and he Mm -hmm. walks the way he needs to be helped down the stairs by David Mm -hmm. there's really that comparison going on the whole time that, yeah, it looks like he's not doing so hot yeah, physically, compared to everyone else. yeah, he's
1: pretty weathered. I think there's a, a really good summarizing line. At the end of the movie, when they go to the office to supposedly claim his prize, when they're leaving, his father's walked out, and he asks her, you know, David, the son, asks her, he goes, does this happen a lot? You know, that you get kind of elderly people wandering in here. And she said every now and again, and then she said, does he have either Alzheimer's or dementia? She asks him and he says, no, he just believes things people tell him. Right. And she says, oh, that's too bad. Kind of a little mini encapsulation of, of, you know, how his father got here from his whole life arc.
2: And it also suggests that it's it's worse to believe things that other people tell you rather than have dementia.
1: Yeah, or dementia. Exactly. Because
0: for the first part of the movie, you think that Woody is kind of a cantankerous old man and is kind of a jerk, but when you hear people talk about him, you realize that, yeah, people have taken advantage of him his entire life. Like, he'll lend out things that won't get returned and let people borrow money or... Uh, work
1: on cars for free. Work
0: on cars. He sold mm-hmm. the garage for $800, which even back whenever he sold it, it doesn't matter when it
1: was. Yeah,
0: $800 is, is not a lot. Y- you see his character develop through the descriptions from other people Mm -hmm. really and then yeah this sort of singular goal to try to get to his winning too and like there was one particular scene that really stood out to me where the letter that says he's won a million dollars gets stolen Mm -hmm. and he's despondent sitting at a table and david knows that it's been thrown away somewhere on the street and he says well let's go back out and look for it and just to see him turn his head and like his face light up I think it was one of the highlights of the movie to me. Very comedic and sad but i also love that he was drinking buttermilk in that scene he was drinking i, buttermilk. I thought it was milk
2: <laughs> yeah <but> no <laughs> it was a it's just it's something i associate with like i, I had grandparents who would drink buttermilk right because yeah. that was what they preferred to drink so yeah
1: no i remember looking at it and going wow that is serious coating on that glass and then looking at the carton and being like nope that's buttermilk
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yep>. <laughs> um for me at least watching it the second time Going through and and hearing that kind of that same mantra being recited again and again, that Woody couldn't refuse a favor, um, that it ruined him, that he, you know, believed things people told him. And then also kind of seeing, you know, his alcoholism. He was very, I don't know, passive, I guess. You know, in conversations he has with his son, he says, you know, well, he married his wife, you know, because she wanted to. And, you know, did you want to have kids? Well, I don't know. I mean.
2: It never came <laughs> up. Exactly. Yeah. Never came up. She's <laughs> Catholic,
1: so it was bound to happen. It, it, it's very passive. There were no goals. It was just kind of that. And so you're also seeing that with David. And even at that, the first clip you just played, she shouts after him, you're just like your father. And she says he's stubborn. But I'm saying you you have that showing up again and again, where he hasn't lived the same life his father has. And you definitely don't see the alcoholism and, and those kinds of things playing this huge role. But from the way he was with his girlfriend, like, mm-hmm. so you have this like, feeling or whatever that you're hoping he's learning something from this.
0: And even I think as Pat pointed out, David is kind of a pushover in the sense that he goes with his dad mm-hmm. to begin with. So that kind of shows yeah. the parallel between the two. Nobody else was actually willing to give in mm-hmm. to this sort of pipe dream that he had.
1: And again and again, you know, going to find the piece of paper, like the example you just right. brought up. Like, who would have done that? Because I even think that I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's on the street somewhere
0: right. like, the,
1: at night. Like, let's go find that.
0: <laughs> or the teeth, right. the, yes, the teeth on the railroad tracks. Yes, the teeth on the railroad tracks.
1: No, no, I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs>
0: Which was another uh, good, does he or does he not have dementia scene? right? There. Yeah, it's earlier in the film. The back and forth yeah. joke about whether or not they're his well, actual I'd, teeth. Yeah. Is he just trying to cover for himself when he says, no, they actually are my teeth? Yeah. Or not?
2: The, they're, my, they're my teeth. I, know that I, I should know them. <laughs> Something
0: like that. <laughs> yes. There are several scenes in this movie where David and Woody go to visit relatives and they have to pass the time in some way or another. Here's uh, one clip of them sitting in the living room.
3: You Can't get it open. Oh, I didn't try. Ray's to
0: foot's been bothering him. The Ain't that right, Ray?
3: What are these claws? It's okay. It just hurts. Well, I figured you wouldn't mind seeing as how you work with
0: your Did hands. Did you get that, I Dad? Eat. I'm a teacher. I grade papers. I don't shock oysters. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Ray's foot hurts. I'm going in store to Freda Goodson's. We're having a club meeting. Everything oh, else good though bunch
3: Ray? not really
1: we're <laughs> 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 I love all of these scenes. These men are a very few words. men of few
2: words, just like um his David's aunt says when he walks up, you grant boys are are sure not talkers Some, something like oh, that Oh right. Yeah, yeah, she does
1: say that right away. I also want to point out because I feel like a lot of the action, a lot of the depth of the story, you, know, you get because they had to stop in his hometown, and that that wasn't part of his plan for the journey. That Woody didn't ha- have any desire to go back home. That he just wanted to get to Lincoln, and it's only because he's injured himself. I don't know if he's concussed or what, but he very reluctantly goes. And I feel like you get a lot of depth, a lot of learning about I don't know, kind of his background and, and how he got to where he was because of this. His brother, it seems like his brother and his. Uh, brother's wife. I don't know that we ever get her name, um, but she seems very nice. Yes. Very kind. Uh, yes. And they clearly have not seen each other in years. Will Forte's character is, I don't know, somewhere in his late 30s, early 40s. And she. I think they mentioned that they haven't seen him since he was, you know, 13, 14, something like that. So a considerable amount of time has passed since he's seen his family. They have very little to say to one another. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no, there's no need, it seems like, anybody feels like there's a need to catch up at all. Right just kind of come in plop down they're polite it's just quiet yeah,
0: there's a scene later too where that happens with so the first scene took yeah. place with them watching the golden girls and the second scene took place with them watching football right i think all of the men were sitting in a room mm-hmm. and the the women were in the kitchen
1: which was awesome
0: well there was a line uh i mean the cars come up in this movie quite a
1: bit quite a actually, bit
2: oh, yeah. and um they were i don't know they were talking about a car that one of the characters had previously had and he said oh yeah one of the other ones said those cars will run forever and then the other character said what happened to it is it stopped running <laughs> and then uh, the response was oh yeah they'll do that <laughs> so i mean and it, you know it's just very very uh simple short yeah.
0: talking but not talking exactly
2: yeah, almost, yeah. Right.
1: it felt very midwestern to me yeah it
0: did yeah it, it did
1: yeah it kind of polite conversation to fill a void.
0: <laughs> yeah. So one of the big topics I wanted to hit, too, is we're all from the Midwest, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you all feel about the portrayal of the Midwest in this movie? Is it a positive portrayal? Is it a negative portrayal? Or is it, you know, just kind of showing quirks? Well, I mean, nobody here is from Nebraska or Montana, so
2: I <laughs> That's mean, it's true. <laughs>
1: That's true. We're not as strange as those guys. Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, not reference the way the Ted. Boonies, yeah.
1: <laughs> But I I didn't feel like it was negative. I felt like there were definitely aspects that were representative. I, I don't actually, I don't know if any of us grew up in a more rural area of the midwest like we're all either near or in pretty big cities and so there are some things that i understand and i have known people from small towns that i don't i don't have firsthand experience with you know the the neighborhood bar like the tavern where everybody goes and everybody knows everybody's business i don't have experience with that but i know that exists right and i do feel like it's representative the family sitting in a room Having like miscellaneous unimportant conversation to kind of fill the void. I felt like that was representative. That's I've been in those situations.
2: Yeah, I think one thing that um, maybe might reflect my Midwestern upbringing was one thing that I thought right away when they're stopping in in Hawthorne, Nebraska, to visit his family and all his brothers are going to come over. The first thing that popped to my mind was, well, why did he leave? Because many, many families that are you know located in that i that i know of in small towns in the midwest have have people who have lived there for generations and you know they they all know each other and they all know each other's parents and each other's kids and so like and it wasn't it turned out that they, they moved to uh, billings because um his wife wanted to open a salon um so there might be implications that she drew him away and she wasn't from there I think either it, yeah <laughs> i think that's definitely um, true and so, yeah. so that
0: and so that came forward from that yeah, i think she even says that maybe in the graveyard that she took him away from yep. his mother and that yeah. family situation and which they mean, ask
2: would you have liked to have been a, f- a farmer instead of you know farm this land when they visited his old house too mm-hmm. and it kind of like the sense i got was that maybe he would have right
1: all of the scenes in Hawthorne. They, I don't know you just learned so much more about his past. I really liked that I liked seeing his his brothers um they all seem happy for him that he's potentially won this money right um everybody in the town that he comes across um I think some of the the best dynamics or whatever uh, come when uh, the mother then comes into town so once you know he's he's had this head injury and they decide to to detour to Hawthorne she takes the bus and meets them there and she's just amazing. She gets off the bus and it's just immediately harsh. Like, you guys look like hell, you know, blah 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 and just like gives them a hard time and they go to the cemetery. Immediately she goes, "I want to go to the cemetery and pay my respects. Like right now." <laughs> and um it's 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 a great scene for a number of reasons. She's hilarious and I know you're 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 just itching to play this clip because it's because it's epic. <laughs> this is
0: this is definitely what earned her a supporting actress nod.
1: Exactly. Um, But I think you also learn learn some other pretty great stuff. Why don't you go, go ahead and talk about it after. There's Woody's mother, Sarah. She hated me. She wanted to marry someone who milked the cows. I said, I ain't fiddling with no cow titties. I'm a city girl. The good Lord did not do Sarah any favors in the looks department. More a man's face than a woman's, really.
3: How'd she die?
1: saw herself in the mirror one day (laughs) no (laughs) cancer Do you have any of the other ones too? Because it just gets better after that. No, yeah, I couldn't. It, I was it telling does, yeah. it does get better. But I was yeah. telling
0: Patrick I couldn't grab like I couldn't just five find the whole four or five yeah. minute oh, yeah. scene where she's saying all sorts of ridiculous things I like just, that. I just I just
1: really loved when she starts talking about Woody's sister. She's like, Oh boy, was she a slut? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Wow. Well when she was fifteen, she was sleeping with people in the back of cars you know, and know, Like, okay, just go ahead, go for it.
2: <laughs> I like that you know she's very uh... She's aggressive. She's very, you know, tell it how it is. And the only people that she has nothing bad to say about are the people that they steal an air compressor. <laughs> I wrote that
1: down. <laughs> I totally wrote that down. Like the
2: only people that she has absolutely nothing to say about is something that they do something mean to and then have to, like, <laughs> weasel really their way out of it.
3: yeah.
0: And they even explain that that's not the air compressor they were trying to steal, and she, she says, why would you do that to them? <laughs> Still giving them a hard time, <laughs> yeah. even though she knows They're it was a mistake. Salt
1: of the earth. <laughs> and didn't you say they like lost a child or like i mean all these like oh, misfortunes yeah. like they almost yeah. lost oh, the farm yeah. but they earned it back and like all of these things but they're just the sweetest people salt of the earth why would you do that to them? <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic yeah. it was great
0: <laughs> which was one of the uh, only real full bonding scenes of the entire family we have is them trying to steal that air compressor <laughs> yeah and they were both on board right away i didn't know
2: if um Maybe a glimpse into the past where, like, they were just little kids again, like, mm-hmm. yeah, messing around. Because they, but I mean, they were two grown men who had no problem just pulling up to a barn
0: and
3: stealing, you know, an air stealing somebody's air compressor <laughs> exactly.
0: But the, just both the parents, when they have to lie to the face of the people they actually stole the air compressor from, kind of go along with it. Bruce Wayne's yeah. kind of looking off in the distance, but I think he knows what's going on. Right? Yeah. So they're kind of, as a family, have this little conspiracy so that they have to deal with. Just
1: love the, how come you're in the back seat? And I love it. She's like, it's like, oh, um, we decided to sit back here and rest until you guys got here. I mean, it's
0: just like. <laughs> well, she's like, can you stay? He's like, nope, we got to go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so funny.
0: So the person who originally borrowed, end quotes, the uh, air compressor was Ed Pegram, who mm. uh, used to co-own the car repair shop with Woody back in the day. Mm-hmm. Was played by Stacy Keach, and he does a fantastic job of being someone who's a gigantic jerk, and even though he's nice to you immediately, you know that he's going to be a jerk.
1: Yeah, he definitely has that presence.
0: Yeah. He also had a good physical presence, too, for the comparison between him and Woody. I think more than anyone else in this film, somebody you know, who's his peer, same age as him, mm-hmm. who's still... You know, doing great mentally out in the bar, has tons of friends. Clearly and, a leader. Yeah, yeah, clearly an alpha person. Him, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and he has a really strong physical presence. He's very barrel chested. He's yes. a big guy. And I felt like there comes a point, you know, as people believe that Woody's really won this money, that he thinks he's owed something. And so he corners Will Forte's character in the men's bathroom. And he is such a dominant presence like their relative size or whatever you, know, you really get this feeling like you know it's very threatening even though he's an old man you don't get the feeling that will forte is gonna be able to take him you know right. in that moment yeah.
2: right yeah, you start to wonder i i had the same feeling i, I started to kind of run it through my head and like okay i put myself in will forte's shoes i'm like i don't care about this guy you know mm-hmm. he's some old guy in a tiny town in Nebraska, like, what is he really going to do? He's mm-hmm. trying to shake me down for some some of this million dollars that we don't even have. Like, I really don't care about you. You know, like, there's no reason to be that worried. But then you start wondering, like, is he really going to, like, find me and, you know, take me in an alley and shake me down, like, beat me down for money? Like, maybe. Like, you start right. believing that he... Mm-hmm might do that and he get, becomes more and more aggressive in his attempt to take some of Woody's supposed money I thought that was interesting because like on the surface you're kind of like well, this I mean this guy thinks he's more important than he is but you start you start believing that maybe he could act or execute some of the things that he's threatening you with so
0: there's a big turn in the town when everyone realizes that Woody well, realizes again in quotes that Woody has won a million dollars, then suddenly everyone who was ignoring him wants to be his friend, including uh, Ed and basically everybody in town. Yeah,
1: everybody that's in the tavern in particular, which I thought was interesting because again, keeping in mind that he had no desire to go to Hawthorne, you know, his fixating on this prize money um was about you know doing I think kind of like a last hurrah like one other great thing or something that you could carve out like something in his life that would be worthwhile something that would be impressive you know getting this truck and this air compressor or whatever but once he's in the bar and he tells everybody about the money Later that same night, when, when David is helping him in the house because he's drunk or whatever, he goes, did you see the look on their faces? Did you see it? And you can tell he really feels like a like a minor celebrity, like a minor hero. And so, again, it made me think of the mirroring like with David and his brother. His brother's like a, the local celebrity and David kind of has nothing and, and, you know, is not doing anything particularly great. And maybe Woody's always felt like that. And so while it wasn't his goal to be like a big shot at least in the beginning, it's a it's a nice fringe benefit. Like right. he's clearly really enjoying it.
0: One of the big themes I wanted to talk about too was that everyone instantly respects him in the town for winning all of this money, but not for anything that he Has accomplished done. himself. There right. isn't really a lot of acknowledgement of anyone's accomplishments, really. They pretty mm-hmm. much ignore David until he introduces himself to people. Right. Mm-hmm. They kept talking about how he was such a beautiful baby. Yeah. And that's what they want to talk about is just, you looked really cute as a kid, but we don't care what you're doing right now. Almost
1: like a little girl. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) And even Ross doesn't get a lot of acknowledgement. He's the one who's actually has the most traditionally
1: successful successful
0: career, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you're on the news. Like, what is it like to be behind the cameras? And nobody asks him that. The only thing that anybody cares about is that Woody won money.
2: Oh, and how fast they drove there. Yes. Yeah, and, and how fast they drove critically important. There. <laughs> yeah, that was really important.
1: <laughs> and I loved the quoting, like, completely unrealistic numbers. Yeah. Like, well, I drove from here to here in, like, three hours or whatever. i get whatever you to
2: Lincoln in an hour. It's over 200 miles away. <laughs> 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 okay, an hour and
0: a half.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and just, like, unwilling to give up more than that. It yeah. was great. <laughs> and I love they were very, like you said, very interested in what you drove.
0: Mm-hmm. It better be an American car.
1: Well, and I loved that, like he's driving a Subaru and his brother's driving a Kia, so it's like just oh, yeah. not helping at all, right? And the car that the conversation you talked about—that's hilarious. The you know the, those cars will run forever. It was yeah. a Buick, I think. It was
2: a it was a Buick or Chevy or yeah it, was, yeah, it was clearly an American made car because they wouldn't be talking about it. in
1: those Otherwise, terms. why would you? Otherwise,
0: <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons I asked how you felt about the portrayal of the Midwest was because of this town, Hawthorne. There are. Certain characters, which we'll get to, who are relatively positive. But for the most part, it's just we just see Woody's family and most of them just want money from him. Or the friends in the bar who are only friends with him because he has money. Mm -hmm. People respect him because he's won money and that's something that they want.
1: I think it's really important to note, too, though, that this is clearly a very depressed town. Yes. There's not a lot for business. Mm -hmm. There's a decent number of places, as you kind of see Main Street, that are closed. Um, and I think even when they first get to the house and he's talking to his cousins, the awesome little hoodlums that they are, I think they're both out of work or between jobs or one's something on like parole. that. Yeah, yeah, one's Yeah, one's clearly on parole. Um, <laughs> but the other the one's volunteering. Um, <laughs> yeah. But... But I, I but I think they they make some mention of like, oh, times are tough or whatever. And and David chimes in and is like, oh, yeah, I'm in the stereo business. And it's the same thing, you know, to try to kind of be equals or, or you right. know, give them a, give them a break. But it's clearly a depressed town. I imagine as a senior is, you know, the L, the people that are also Woody's age that are in the town. These are on seriously fixed incomes. I think the only person who appears to kind of have money is Ed.
2: Is Ed, yeah. Right. And
1: so i it's not surprising. I'm not saying it brings... It's, you know, it's like, ooh, check out the moral character in Hawthorne. But just that maybe there might be a little bit... There's some desperation there.
0: Yeah, it was a very stark portrait of a town, mm-hmm. I thought. And Alexander Payne, who's the director of this movie, was actually from Omaha. Oh, is he? I looked that up, yeah. So I was kind of wondering, like, ah, oh, what's this whole portrayal of the Midwest? Like, what sort of perspective is it coming from? And it's coming from somebody who lived there. And he also directed the descendants he's got he's a lot of movies about i guess family relationships yeah he's definitely knows what he's talking about as far as nebraska goes
3: yes
1: well i was going to say the i think one of the other key moments for david in this process so we, we mentioned the the cemetery scene and i think something that's mentioned is that david's named after his father's brother who died as a child from like scarlet fever or something of that nature and so he sees yeah, and his then, own while, while he
2: was in the bed with him
1: oh like, that's right
2: sharing in bed as children right i mean right and mm-hmm. it didn't but it didn't get him and only got his brother
1: and so for the David character standing in the cemetery, he looks down and sees his own name on the gravestone. And it's very just brief that they show his face and kind of like this like furrowed brow or like feeling somewhat shaken, I right. guess, by it. And then immediately pans on because his mother's hysterical and talking about people are sluts or how so-and-so <laughs> wanted to get in her pants. She yeah. says so-and-so wanted to get in her pants like four times. Well, then she lifts the her skirt
0: and says, this is what you missed. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, I didn't catch that gravestone thing until this time around because it's so easy to miss mm-hmm. with her just... Stealing the rest of the scene. Well, and yeah. I thought it was
1: interesting too, them showing Woody's face when they mention his brother, because she says, "Well, it didn't get you, you know, isn't that right?" And he kind of, you know, he often has a far away, kind of distant look, but it seemed a little bit more meaningful, like it was somewhat painful the way she was just kind of hacking through his family. Yeah, you I know, agree. she talks about his mother and his sister and his brother, and just is very cavalier about all of it.
0: The there's a couple more clips I wanted to get to. One was one of the only really nice and put together people in this movie was the woman who runs the newspaper. And it's a nice, refreshing scene with her in the middle of the movie where pretty much everything else is desperation around Mm them. Oh, you knew my dad. It's ancient
3: history now, and I don't want to speak out of turn, but Woody and I used to go together. You
0: were his girlfriend?
3: That's right. What happened? Your mother is what happened. How is Kate? Fine,
0: uh, she's here too.
3: Well, you tell her Pig Bender says hello. Okay,
0: she won't slap me, will she?
3: Why would she? She won. <laughs> it's water under the bridge. Don't get me wrong, I married a wonderful man. We ran this newspaper together until he died. Had three children, eight
1: grandchildren.
3: I've got no complaints.
1: She's such a stark contrast to his mother. I really yes. liked it. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: The other contrast too is that essentially at the end she's it's a lot nicer about it. But she she says that her she couldn't compete with his mother because her mother his his mother put out and mm. she didn't. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she, I wouldn't. I believe she said I wouldn't let him round the bases. Yep. So I mean this and this came you know. Fairly close proximity to her, the quote that we heard, or the the (laughs) clip that we heard earlier, where she went on a diatribe that went even further than the quote or than the clip that you played, (laughs) calling other people whores and and, you know you know being quite judgmental on their behavior. So um, yeah, she was quite a contrast. Just visually, she she had different colored hair. She had a different demeanor. I mean, like she was pretty much as as different as as she could be.
1: Well, and she is one of those like there's certain people whose whose faces are you can tell, like the way that they formed, you know, creases and wrinkles as they've aged, is from smiling. Like she has this like sweet demeanor that obviously Stark's is in stark contrast <laughs> to his mother.
0: I also like the fact that unlike the other characters in the movie, she's actually willing to give information about people's past. I David kind of wants that. I mean, he hasn't explicitly yeah. said it, but he wants to connect with his father and maybe learn a little bit more about his life, and it comes in bits and pieces, mm-hmm. but. Woody's certainly not willing to talk about it. He's not able to get well. He's able to get some stuff out of his mother, but mostly gossip about other people. But as soon as he goes to the newspaper and starts talking with her, she just gives him all this information about Woody that he didn't know, basically and without not, prompting. And not, not, and not
2: only verbal information. I mean, there was there was like physical information, right? She right. showed a newspaper where his his father, you know, had been shot down in, in the war in the Korean War, and uh, like this was a complete surprise to david
1: well and she remarks that when he got back from the war he was very different and that he'd always drank because that's what happened in the small towns but did he drank a lot more after he got back um and yeah like you said that this was completely unknown unknown to david i feel like there were some like several key revelations throughout this trip but they were never given voluntarily from woody woody never shares anything and even when asked like oh hey dad do you want to go see your old house like you know where you where you grew up he's like whatever for." There's that is always the immediate response. Why do you want to know about that? Why is it? Why does it matter
0: when they actually do go to the house? You do get the couple of pieces of information that are really telling first about his brother dying in the same room as as he was in, but then also about his parents whipping him all the time. if, If they found me in their bedroom, you know, they'd be whipping me.
2: And and at the end, there's the question of whether he would have liked to stay and be a, a farmer. My interpretation of that was that he may have wanted to do that, or at least part of him, part of him was still back there. And there were a lot of themes in in the in the small town, um, at least that resonated with me. Because I mean, I'm not that old, but I've I've even had these feelings myself at this point in my life where you remember back to when you were a teenager or something and there was this opportunity there were two opportunities and you had to choose one or the other and you think back you're like it would have been different if i had done this he's dealing with all these things that he hasn't had to address you know being in the same space as his family or any of these things for a long time and the sense that i got and i really liked that scene where he was looking over the farm field was he was you know running it over like maybe it would have been different and you know david's the one who asks him straight up like did you ever want to be a farmer? Like, like, no one really had ever asked him that before.
1: I thought it was interesting that the only pieces of information he kind of offers up himself is when they first get in the house and they're looking at it. He makes some, I think one of the boys makes some comment about like what rough shape it's in or something like that. And his mother, of course, makes some sharp comment about his mother's housekeeping. It's no different than it had been. <laughs> and so he kind of is shuffling around looking at the place and he said, you know, my father built this. Mm. Like he comments that his dad and, and he's like, you don't mean by himself, right? And he's like, well, him and his brother's. And so it's always it seems like a point of pride. Mm. And then later on, when he's looking out the windows from his parents' bedroom, he looks out the window and he said, the barn's still standing. So it's not like he's necessarily saying positive, but since he never comments on anything, the fact that he is bothering to comment on it felt like bragging. But it's like he almost snaps out of it. because what you're describing where he's standing and looking over the farm and he asked him if he ever wanted to farm, I think he looks after, you know, kind of looks out for a while, but then he's like, it doesn't matter. No, but I think that's what struck me again and again is that, did you want to get married? Well, I don't know. Did you want to have kids? Didn't come up. Mm-hmm. Would you have liked to have been a farmer? Doesn't matter. And so there's this very fatalistic kind of viewpoint of life happening to you instead of you affecting like the direction right. your life is going. All of those things right. didn't really yeah. seem up to him.
0: Right. Maybe he got drafted in the war, too. Like, maybe he didn't even want to do that. But right. Basically, yeah. every choice... And his life has not really been a choice at all for him. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, like, going to get this prize money was the few things that he decided on his own to do and didn't want help. I mean, he kept saying, why don't you guys leave me alone? Like, I'm going to go. And clearly he wouldn't have made it. But
0: <laughs> um, So I actually have a scene uh, where they finally do make it Ta-da. to Lincoln, Nebraska to claim the prize.
3: I'm sorry. Your number wasn't one of the winning numbers.
0: Looks like you didn't win. But it says I won.
3: It says you won if your number is one of the winning numbers. I'm sorry, sir. I hope you guys didn't have to come too far. Montana. Oh, my.
0: Well, Dad, I guess that's it.
3: I can give you a free gift like a hat or a seat cushion.
0: You want a hat or a seat cushion? Huh? Do you want a hat or a seat cushion?
3: Hat. Uh, He'll take that.
1: I also love that she says, oh, my. That's very Midwestern. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: jeez. <laughs> I thought it was funny, too, that it says, if you're one of the selected numbers, and Woody has creased this thing so many times, he's read over it, practically memorized it, but he's selectively not paid attention yeah. to that line. In and
2: it. he was reading it in the car... I mean right. they, they showed him reading it in the car just on the way. To I thought the, it was very showing up there.
1: Kind of significant or moving. Um, like you said, when, when they go into the tavern and so everybody who was cheering for him and behind him is now mocking him and making fun of him. And when he goes in, he seems very old and very small and very timid and he goes and he takes the paper and he holds it like it's worth a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? He takes it and he very carefully folds it and he puts it back in his pocket and he walks away.
0: I thought it was a good choice too to have everyone else in the bar react kind of the same way we are we could have everyone continue to make fun of him or to snicker at him um but everyone's kind of taken aback and i think suddenly realizes how much it actually means to him
1: mm-hmm. and so how much he all, believes it
0: they all look kind of ashamed
1: well except for ed
0: except for ed well even on ed's face there's a little bit of maybe he's not truly sorry for it but you know there's more to it than he realized and now yeah. he's Seeing that maybe Woody is somebody that he shouldn't have been making fun of and maybe pitied a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, then he has to be an asshole and Will Forte has to punch him in the face. Yeah, that's Which true. Which I was very happy about. <laughs> I don't, I've don't. i never, ever punched anybody, but I'd like to believe in a key moment like that that I'd, that yeah. I'd do it. And totally break my hand. Right. <laughs> 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 but yes, yeah, so what I think is by far the most moving thing, and I'm, I'm torn about it, is Will pitying his father and going, you know, this is the only thing that he's wanted. And he's seen it again and again, this drive, this dream, this ambition. And in one part, his father says that he wants the truck and, you know, the air compressor for himself, but that he'd wanted to leave something for his sons.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Which was very different. And I don't know that, I don't know how true that is. Like, I can't, in the moment, I couldn't decide how sincere I felt that was. I don't know. Did you have a feeling about that?
2: Yeah, it was a little, it was a little... Out of character, of course. That at the point where he says that, I was still kind of think wondering about Woody's own mortality. I mean, he was having a dizzy spell, mm-hmm. or maybe implied, you know, mild heart attack, something like that. He was kind of crumpled over on a car, and then eventually, sort of, you know, had to sit down on a step where he was saying that. But David's line of questioning was, you know, you don't need a million dollars to get a truck and air compressor. What, what else do you want? Like, why is this so important to you? And um, his answer was he wanted to leave something for for David and his brother. So it's hard to, I don't know, like, I agree. Like, I was kind of, this is somewhat out of character. But on the other hand, there may have been an element to that where it helps define why he's so obsessed with this. I mean, of, of all the people that I could see in the movie, perhaps the most a uh, motivated person was Woody because he really wanted to get this money. But I mean, so much of the movie is about a man who has had the currents of life take him places rather than him actively really engaging in life. So that like the contrast in that is is interesting. And maybe that gives a glimpse into the motivation of why he was suddenly so so interested in this one event, and and frankly blind to the fact that everybody around him is telling him you didn't win a million dollars. Why do you want to go to Lincoln? Oh, well, he's
1: told repeatedly. He's told constantly.
2: I, I think by the end, like I think he really didn't
0: know that he hadn't. I mean, or or it didn't matter. And it's also important too that David puts the truck in his name and right. says that we've bought this truck together. Like this is really your truck, but I'm going to be driving it.
1: I thought it was interesting that when you know you see them at a dealership and you see him transferring their stuff their bags into the truck and his father goes i don't understand what's happening with your car And he's like well i traded it dad they gave me a good deal and uh and he's like if you don't mind you know i put your name on it and what i find just kind of crazy about it is like he's how did he say it he's like did you work out something with the prize people yeah dad they were willing to go as far as the truck like he just kind of lets it go just yeah. like sure that's that's what happened because it's like he can't quite fathom that his son's just doing something nice for him.
0: I think David's willing to just admit that Woody's off in his own world now and at least trying to make that world something livable for him. Like, okay, no, you actually did win this truck. And... Here's an air compressor, and you're going to be able to give this to us. You got everything that you really wanted.
1: Yeah. He's got his prize winner hat on. His prize winner, like, trucker hat that's, like, the foam front, you know, straight brim, like, kind of cocked a little bit.
0: (laughs) Driving down Main Street. Driving
1: down Main Street. Well, I thought that was really sweet because we all know that he doesn't have a license and that he's clearly, like, not in great physical condition, probably shouldn't be driving. And so... You know he does t- he does tell his dad he's like i have to drive like you can't drive it but then when they get he takes him back through hawthorne so he can kind of have his victory lap which is just the sweetest thing and i do want to point out something that at least the whole movie his father's kind of looking off into space and whenever they try he tries to talk to him when he's trying to share with his dad oh did i tell you whatever his girlfriend's name was Did i tell you that she left like there's no interest like who He's like, I've been going out with her for two years. And he's like, like, doesn't know, not engaged, no idea what's going on in his son's life or doesn't really seem to care. But there is a, a moment when they're in the truck and his dad turns and looks at him while he's driving. And that hasn't happened the entire film. Like he doesn't ever turn and look at his son and he turns and looks at him. And it's brief and it's I don't know that the son even sees it. I don't know that David sees it, but it's significant that it's kind of this like focus shift. I also wonder, too, when he does see it's perfect, right? Because he sees all the people he should see. Mm-hmm. He sees the little guy who's kind of nameless, who's just really positive and like, good for you. What do you like? Whatever. Right. So he sees that guy. He sees his ex-girlfriend. Um, he sees Ed. And I wonder right. too when he sees Ed and he sees this massive bruise on Ed's cheek if he understands that that means that David stood oh, up for I him. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because I forgot that he left wouldn't the bar. Known. He wouldn't have known that he hauled mm-hmm. off and hit him. And so I wonder if there's any kind of recognition of, of how far, you know, how much his son was doing for him.
2: He also sees his brother who's sitting on the lawn chair looking at cars, which I
1: loved. And I also loved that he hasn't, you know, they haven't seen each other in this really long time. There's kind of no real announcement that they're leaving. You know, when they do, but he tools by and his brother's like, see you later, Woody. And he's like, see ya. And that's it. <laughs> like,
3: yeah. This
1: might be the last time they ever see each other. Like,
0: <laughs> So we finally got into the end of the movie. Pat, what did you think? Do you think it was a good overall experience for you to be forced to watch this? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I, I, I liked it a lot. I um, The humor uh, in it was very much in line with the kind of humor that I like. I mean, it's uh, fairly in your face, it kind of comes in unexpected ways and in unexpected times. And I think the other thing that I took away from the movie that, that I, the more I thought about it after watching it, the more I, I thought it was um, really present throughout the movie was the idea that nothing is, is ever quite as it seems in the reality of a situation. I mean, the couple of examples that I always kind of thought of was like, his mother was just so, so really harsh to him. But the moment that his family, that, that Woody's family started like looking for money, like she laid it down and they left. You know, like, so she was very rough, but she was also very protective. And, you know, Woody has this sort of spacey, old man outside, but clearly has more going on inside inside his head. And, motiv- and he's more motivated than um, pretty much everybody else, I think, in the movie. And it goes all the way to the end where, uh, you know, the people in the town see Woody, who is... Going to get a million dollars, and then now, although they learned that he didn't get a million dollars, he had told people that he wanted to get a truck and an air compressor. All those people in the town saw was Woody in a brand new truck with an air compressor that was large enough in the back to see that it was like in the back of this truck. while driving his, down and his, Main and street,
1: street, prize winner hat?
2: Yeah, with a prize winner hat on. You know, like that wasn't the reality. You know, David bought it, and David made sure that happened, and David really, out of the goodness of his heart, set up this entire situation. But everybody in the town just saw.
0: That Woody had finally Built. done it. Yeah, like, done, you know, he, done he, 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 set he, out to he do. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was really interesting, too, that he, when they're at the dealership, David tells Woody, like, yeah, I know I worked out something. Like, this is really your prize or whatever. And you earned this. But when they're driving through town, he insists that David get down. Yeah. Right. So he's like, I know that you did this. I don't want other people right. to know that you're responsible for this or I, I just want this moment. Right. So there's the yeah. sort of, He gets it. He's pretending like he doesn't understand what's going on or that it's this thing, but he really underneath knows a little bit of it.
1: I loved the look on Will Forte's face, though, watching his dad, you know, feel badass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very sweet. Oh, it is. Yeah. (laughs) It's very, very sweet. Uh,
0: Another
2: things aren't how they seem is, you know, I think it is a Midwestern thing to have family be fairly accommodating of family to, you know, like I haven't seen you in. 10, 20 years or whatever, but of course you come over and of course we will have dinner on and I made you a sandwich and, you know, sit here with, you know, your cousins and be, be family. But on the other hand, his cousins are the ones who, like... Literally, awesome. literally literally, jump Woody and David right. outside a bar and steal something because they thought it was worth a million dollars. You know, they were willing to sell sell their family right up the road. So the entire dynamic of, you know, the way you act to somebody's face versus what you actually are willing to do when it comes down to brass tacks. And, you know, that was back to the conversation about how Midwest is portrayed. I think that outside the Midwest, one of the criticisms of people from the Midwest are that they are very, they they tend to be nice and part of that is feels disingenuous to people because no one's really that nice or to draw stereotypes people from the east coast are much more willing to say i don't like you or i don't have time for you or i don't care for you to people like that coming to the midwest they're like why is everybody here so fake <laughs> yeah, yeah you know
1: i mean i've joked about this with both of you before but i mean in the midwest if somebody says something or someone is pause interesting that's wildly negative right <laughs> and if you're not from right. here you don't know if that's what that's what that means <laughs> yeah. but you know it's like oh I'm being nice because I'm not saying that they're a slut for example <laughs> that that's somehow nice but instead it's like you said it's disingenuous it's deceptive yeah just one more thing before we're done talking about this movie I really wanted to kind of throw in one more character of this movie and I think that's the like sweeping shots of Nebraska throughout oh yeah and that while they're on the road that are they're it's not beautiful. I don't explain it. It is, but it's not like these are like, I'm showing you these shots because this is a beautiful like stream or this is a beautiful like rolling hillside. They're very typical things you see when you're on a road trip and they're all very lonely. It's a very kind of, you know, again, shot in black and white. um, But you see, you know, the the town looking depressed, the um, farms that look somewhat abandoned, like they're not like, you know, it's not like you're seeing farms that are being farmed. You'll see farms that just kind of, you know, look like they've maybe grown wild, Um, lonely roads, truckers. Yeah. that kind of a thing and it's it's beautiful in it's simplicity but i feel like it's very much reflecting how david feels how woody maybe feels and i really felt, felt like that it was shot very very well
0: yeah one of the places that they stop at near the beginning of the film is a motel slash store slash bar slash cafe slash gas station nice <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh that kind of feels very midwestern sounds about happened. right yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah middle of nowhere
1: yeah. Got it all one. Just one
0: play. So you might as well stop for everything. (laughs) So we're at the end of the show. But, Patrick, since you came on and you were willing to put up with our tastes and what we thought you should watch, uh, it's actually time for us to all talk about what our recommendations are. So you can name a movie or a television show or music or whatever you want. A car that you think people should drive. (laughs) What's your recommendation (laughs) that everyone should experience? So,
2: um... Yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to rack my brain about what, what would I would recommend that everybody try once. I mean, it's a kind of uh, apropos to the movie, because many of the main characters, you get the sense that they haven't done a whole lot of stuff outside the box. So I was trying to think of the biggest thing that I've done outside mm-hmm. the box, because I live a fairly safe and a very fortunate and comfortable life. Um, but uh, I would I would say try scuba diving. I've, oh, I've able yeah. I've been able to do that once and it was I, I don't know that it would be for me I don't think I would get into it but having been able to do it once like you know having all the gear on and being underwater for a half hour or so I thought that was that was something different I mean I'd say skydiving but I've never been skydiving but you know like just something outside I've the never box. been scuba diving these listeners actually.
1: these listeners don't know that <laughs> <laughs> you've you've also not been skydiving except
2: uh, I
0: haven't been skydiving today. <laughs> <laughs> I've been snorkeling. Snorkeling's fun, but Snorkeling's it's not the same awesome. thing. It's not like being completely it is yeah. surrounded and yeah. gets immersed. So, no oh, good recommendation, Jessica. Well, what no, do you think people should watch? I don't know. I
1: was totally thinking still in the in the vein of like film and movies and or film. That's film always movies. what I'm Film and do. movies. We've got both kinds, country and western. Um, I guess I was thinking of kind of quirky families where you're expecting one thing and you find more depth or whatever, and I, this is definitely a different feeling movie, but I was thinking of The Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, just because, I don't know, I feel like going into it, you have a certain expectation of Gene Hackman and you have a certain expectation of what this, you know, I don't know, Wes Anderson movie's going to be. It was the first Wes Anderson movie that I really liked when we put it that <laughs> way. Um, and and it was very much not what I was anticipating and I end up I know getting a lot of warmth out of it.
0: You thought the other Wes Anderson movies were interesting. <laughs> <laughs> <They> were interesting. <laughs> uh, for my recommendation this episode, Will Forte is the lead in this movie, and he's also the lead in a television show called Last Man on Earth, which I really enjoy. I had not seen that show until after I'd watched this movie, and he acts like a complete jackass the entire thing so it's very interesting to see him in both of these different roles but uh if you hear the title and you think wow that would be a boring show after one episode just give it a chance they managed to get past the premise very quickly and it's a very good spoiler alert ensemble cast so oh, i think that's on fox wait, it's still wait, running is he
1: not the last man on earth
0: well <laughs> <That's> well <weird. laughs>
1: my mind <laughs> Well Patrick, thanks again for joining us and for our audience out there for, for listening in. We've really enjoyed it. Charlie, I've had you've had a good time too? Uh it
0: was an interesting time, I'd say. <laughs> oh <laughs> man,
1: that's pretty bad.
0: <laughs> interesting, good. Well, oh, not Midwestern interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that wraps it up thanks so much for joining us we had a great time and be sure to catch the next episode where we're uh, going to discuss another pop culture gem hope you really enjoyed it
0: and don't forget to check us out on facebook and instagram to hear us discuss more movies and television shows that you really should have already been watching make sure you tune into next episode where we'll be discussing everyone's favorite movie the big lebowski um so I think that about brings us to the end of the movie, unless there's anything else.
1: Well, there's the, you know, the good part.
0: The good part?
1: Yeah. When Will Forte sacrifices for him. It's the best oh, part. Oh, yeah. No, what sorry, do you mean the good part? Go
0: I thought the movie just ended and he didn't, he just got a hat. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's why I stopped watching. You serious, Charlie? No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's some other movies that you maybe need to rewatch because they have very different endings. If you keep <laughs> stopping short like that, <laughs> rewatch Old Yeller. It ends very differently than you <laughs> remember. <Charlie. That's> right. <laughs> <laughs>